This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online access to licensed counselors around the globe. If something in your life is making you feel stuck or you feel blocked from happiness, now is a great time to try therapy online. All you have to do is fill out a quick online survey and they'll match you with a counselor within 48 hours. And if you don't like that counselor for any reason, you can switch to a different person free of charge. To try BetterHelp and also really help out this show, head to trybetterhelp.com slash helpmebeme for 10% off your first month of therapy. Thanks! Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May, and this is an episode that is about imposter syndrome well it's actually called imposter phenomenon but people know of it as imposter syndrome um in other words it's that feeling when you think you are not worthy of whatever status you have or you feel like you didn't earn it or that you're going to be found out at any minute like people are going to know you don't know exactly what you're doing um and for whatever it's worth this is becoming increasingly common And it's been exacerbated by the pandemic because of job scarcity. Um, And if you are a sufferer of imposter phenomenon, you're probably also overly perfectionistic. And therefore, you put more pressure on yourself uh, just as a personality trait. So that might be part of what's happening for you. There are two underlying traits to sufferers of imposter phenomenon, and that is perfectionism and neuroticism. So, which basically means if you are overly perfectionistic and also you overthink and rethink and think again and again about things, uh, you, you might be prone to something like imposter phenomenon. So that would probably mean you also put immense pressure on yourself and you set unreasonably high set points for yourself. But to you, it probably doesn't feel like that. To you, it probably feels like you are just legit not smart or not worthy or hiding and people are going to figure out that you're not actually as qualified as you pretend to be. So this is not an episode that is targeted at people who are deliberately lying, who create false identities. This is about people who are attributing their successes and anything good in their lives to things outside of them or to coincidence. In other words, you cannot own anything as because of your own traits. So I will ask you, is there an eternal disconnect between what others see in you and what you see in yourself? If so, you probably are suffering from imposter phenomenon. I'm going to keep messing up that word. So maybe I'll just say IP. How about that? Um, so as with all of my episodes, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the, the tools, the cools. All right, part one, the what. Clants and Eames, which I think are cool names. Uh, these are just researchers. They are the people who introduced the term 
imposter phenomenon in 1978. And it was in relationship to a very large group of high achieving women who could not internalize their successes. That said, everyone experiences this regardless of how you identify. It's defined as strong feelings of intellectual and professional phoniness in high achieving individuals. But in this episode, I would like to broaden it out to mean anyone, even if you would not consider yourself a quote, high achieving individual. It could be, you know, in your relationship when you feel like someone sees you as smart and worthy and, you know, lovable and deep down you feel like you are not those things and maybe you feel like you're you're putting on a show um, or maybe it shows up in your social circles like you feel like you're putting on a charade of happiness and successful living but and deep down you feel lonely and like you're the only one in the group who isn't like-minded or they don't really know who you are so if you feel like a fraud or an imposter you will give every other rationale for why you experience any success in your life. Things like luck, coincidence, that others have low expectations, that others don't really see you, that you are uh, just a great actor, that it's going to catch up with you at any second, that you have nothing of real value, and it's all going to be revealed if you don't keep aggressively trying hard beyond what is expected of you. So, if you are this type of person, you are likely living in a state of perpetual dread. Like you're waiting for the other to shoot a drop and you're running as fast as you can from this, you know, secret truth that's ultimately going to be revealed. However, in reality, you are trying much harder and you're likely burning yourself out. You're probably putting in more hours. You're trying to be more perfect. You're trying to have fewer problems, fewer needs, be less human, be less weak, less fallible. In other words, you're contorting yourself to survive just to keep up this this super high bar. And people who experience IP often also suffer from depression and anxiety, which kind of makes sense because if you are pretty much experiencing some of the core traits of depression and anxiety all the time, like you, it's probably going to increase those feelings because they kind of feed off of each other. So that means like you have a lot of negative self-perceptions and a lot of negative thoughts in general, lots of fearful rumination. So if you are already prone to depression or anxiety, the thought loops and the feelings are going to exacerbate and perpetuate more negative thinking, especially around uh, career status, job um, promotions during a pandemic, especially. So fun times all around. Um, and I want what I want to call out before I get into the why is a super important note. Imposter phenomenon, IP, not only gives us a lot of pain, it keeps us from achieving our truest potential. Like it keeps us from achieving higher. And that is because people see lower limits on their abilities. Like the ceiling gets lower. You, you lean to a lower um, scale. Even though you are currently trying doubly hard and running scared, your ceiling is lower because you see yourself as much less capable than you actually are. So even if you are over, even if you are, you feel like you're underqualified for a job that you think is like, holy fucking shit, the coolest job in the world, your fear is actually making you feel underqualified and you are in fact much more qualified in reality. So just picture someone who is totally confident about who they are. That person is like, fuck yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I could do any of this shit. 
and they swear a lot too. Versus you, you see, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can barely, I can barely do what I'm doing now. They're all going to know. So if you have IP, imposter phenomenon, blah, the irony of feeling like you are currently beyond what you deserve is you are already underestimating yourself and what you are truly capable of in this world. So there is a unselfish reason to actually get over this because you're hindering all the gifts you can give to us in the rest of the world, which brings me to part two, the why. So a lot of IP sufferers project their sources of success outwards. So they'll point to, it's because of that guy, that guy helped me, or it's because of this mistake. You know, there were not enough applicants that year, or it's because they don't really know me. And, and they're going to get to know me. I've just been really um, putting on a, a show and putting on a smile. And like they don't know that I'm struggling to keep this up. So if you suffer from this, you cannot receive the compliment and like hold on to it. So to own success as our own, we must be capable of knowing ourselves completely. More on that one later. But I want to address the various root causes as I mentioned up top, two of the common traits are perfectionism and neuroticism. I'm just going to expand on those two for a second. Perfectionism, just the idea that we can that we can and should be perfect or that there is such a thing as perfection and that we should strive for that thing. And in it in itself this is polarizing because I know that to strive to be perfect has, you know, benefits but it also gives you weaknesses. Like you might see it as a good thing about yourself because it makes you give a shit and like you have a bar, but it's a habit that has to be kept in check because it blinds you. It, it also can infect your life and um, knock your ability to find balance off. So you, you'll be like kind of over muscling everything in your entire life to the point where you're, you're removing the factor of your own enjoyment from the process. So I would call it like a maladaptive coping mechanism. It's something that we do to feel in control of our feelings of inadequacy or our feelings of fear. It helps us to feel more grounded, but ultimately it becomes more painful because we get obsessive and it takes over our focus. It takes our ability to put things in perspective away and with it, we are robbed of balance in life. So a person who is also perfectionistic um, doesn't realize that in that effort, they are getting less good at things because you can't be great at everything. You have to kind of, ice, you have to be able to embrace the things that you're not good at because otherwise it's just, you're, you're being stretched too thin. You're robbing energy from the things that deserve focus and um, watering down, you know, all of the things that you could spend more energy on. So you also might, if you are perfectionistic, put a lot of the, um, reason behind your successes behind the process of being perfectionistic. Like you might think it's only because I'm trying so fucking hard that I'm good at X, Y, Z. So it, it becomes like a temporary cause versus understanding your own innate abilities, like versus fostering self-trust and really like feeling into who you are and feeling into like, these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses. And I know that about me. That's when we can really rely on ourselves and know ourselves and let go of things versus put it all on the muscling. Like it's only because I am, have not unflexed this muscle in 
72 hours. Like that's the perfectionistic way, you know? Second on my list is neuroticism. So if you are a neurotic person, you just have a lot of internal rumination and self-reflection and you are more prone to anxiety. So the inner narratives you, you have tend to circle around self-definition and understanding you versus others. So this is kind of like a baseline setting of imposter phenomenon. It's like a you have a kind of imp- already an imposter sense of self because you're constantly weighing, constantly judging, co- constantly trying to understand order, you know? So one test for IP actually rated individuals as high on self-monitoring and low on self-esteem. So that might, if you have this, you might relate to that, like constantly self-monitoring and also feeling low in terms of self-esteem. Next on my list of whys, the pressure to succeed from other individuals. This is a huge one that kind of, if you're prone to something like this, will make it really take off. So if you have a lot of people in your life who have given you, gifted you an intense fear of failure, maybe those are its parents or caregivers or siblings, whatever it is, when we focus on an outward manifestation of our worth or the opinions of others, we become very observant about the beliefs of others. Like you become to, you become very prone to self-monitoring and constantly trying to calculate your own appearance in the eyes of others because it becomes something that's very important information in order for you to feel safe, you know? Next on my list, workplace imposter phenomenon or high, high achiever imposter phenomenon. So, I mean, this is kind of like the, the most broad definition of imposter phenomenon. According to a 2012 study, right now workers around the world are experiencing an excessive amount of pressure because of lack of security, because of scarcity. So people are increasingly anxious, risk averse, security minded. And because of that, failure is not an option. So people are trying to constantly advance in careers just to ensure they have employment because of economic difficulties, which means that burnout and stress are also exploding in all the industrialized countries. So for people who are prone to feelings of fear and overthinking, plus perfectionism, this climate is a breeding ground for IP. And the pandemic means that everyone fears being incompetent. Everyone fears not being a high value employee, you know, because if you are in a demanding field, that means you are in fear of losing your job, despite the uh, maybe how overqualified you are. It's just when there are low resources, like there are a low amount of jobs, that's it just puts even more pressure on you to perform with just especially with high achievement oriented positions. So in all workplace environments, the pandemic has increased feelings of imposter phenomenon. Another theory is that if you are a person who suffers from IP, you already have harsh standards for yourself and therefore you feel like you cannot be conscientious enough about achieving or or being good. So you are already mentally correcting for error. You're, you're thinking you're correcting for error when in fact you're overcorrecting. You're giving yourself too large uh, a margin. I hope that last thing made sense. It, just check yourself. Ask yourself, do, like, do you feel like you cannot be 
overly harsh on yourself? Like, th- does that seem like it's a healthy thought to you to be harsh on yourself? Just want to check that. Just make a little mental note if that's something that you're doing. All right, the next thing on my list, depression. So the feelings we get when we are depressed um, are very, they overlap a lot with the feelings we get when we're just plain old neurotic and perfectionistic. And therefore, our own ability to achieve is reduced by both of those things, by depression or by just born in neuroticism and uh, kind of self-obsessive thinking. So if you have both of those, your, your ability to achieve is reduced dramatically. All right. And then there's one big why that I want you all to try on. And I would call it an outward self and an inner self. So in other words, a split self. When we feel like we can't be vulnerable and that there's something bad about who we are, usually this comes from old echoes of shame. And that shame develops in a really bizarre and seemingly trivial way, but it lingers. So now that I'm older and I'm more stable, I notice lots of upsetting memories that have just started to bubble to the surface of my consciousness that were, they, I previously just thought they were forgotten. And what I've realized about these memories now is that they still make me cringe, which is fine. But more importantly, I am able to tolerate them. Whereas previously they like haunted me and I did not want to see them. Why? Because they told me something ugly about myself. And that was like nails on a chalkboard. And even the small and seemingly insignificant ones just left a residue on my person. And that film kind of seeps into a definition of self. Even if you can't call to mind whatever upsetting memory and you can't see that it is leaking on your soul, these little unpleasant memories can lead to a tendency to push part of yourself and your self-definition away. So I would describe that as this a split like a split self. We create a persona. We create a stronger exterior that has no fear, no problems, no flaws, and then didn't do that gross shit and didn't do that terrible shit. And in that doing, we fuck ourselves over a little bit. Why? Because we tell ourselves that this is a better version of us when in reality, it is not. And a lot of this is done as a way to continue to function. It keeps us functioning it keeps our shit together so it's it's adaptive and it's healthy to do this to go through the motions of being a healthy productive person and put in your clothes on put in your shoes on going to work like I know it's contradictory to what I just said so I'll I'll frame it like this we all have a path that we walk in order to get stronger and when we are ready to investigate the things that we don't really like we can double back and we can look at where we've come from and we can now, from a stronger place, unravel, let go, and throw away the rocks that, that are stuck in our shoes. And that process starts with the why, aka education. So just seeing why we do what we do is everything. And then we can begin to forgive ourselves and choose who we decide to become. So right now, this is a process of excavation and looking at the totally logical and understandable reasons why you are who you are and why you've done the things you've done. And once you can see all of that person and forgive them and give them a little mental hug and put them in context, then you can say, okay, what isn't serving me anymore? What do I want to keep and what do I want to stop? What do I want to let go of? And what do I want to foster in my life moving forward? 
Because if you can see yourself objectively, you can forgive yourself. And this is when that split self starts to merge. Like we can collect the little broken off shards of ourselves and put them back together. If I was to be called out or blamed, like me in my 20s was this person. What? I don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. I know exactly what I'm doing. Me now is this person. Oh shit, that might have been my bad. I was actually not paying attention. I'm sorry. That may seem insignificant to you, but it's everything to me. It's all of my programming undone. So the more confident a person is, the more they can be wrong and the more they can be ugly and the more they can be messy. And the one who can be wrong and have a discussion about their flaws is the person you want to, I would say, be more like because and you don't have to by any means. I just want to offer that to you as a goal. Just the ability to be flawed and to be weak and to be vulnerable and to be human and still be lovable and insanely interesting and talented and colorful to be hugely worthy and also be complex, not just a boring, perfect person. And if it helps give you even more motivation, the complex, imperfect person is the one who can actually achieve higher. I don't even know if I got to the point of that why. (laughs) Went on a really long tangent. So I guess the gist of it is the split self. So if you have things that you did in your life that you don't like or you have memories that make you cringe, we start to push off parts about ourselves, and then we create like this is who I have to be versus you holistically. So in the process of reintegrating our memories and reintegrating our experiences, we can kind of become all of us and be proud of all of us. And in so doing, we become much more self-loving and we become much more high achieving and balanced and capable as a result of that process. That's the summary I wanted to give about that one. Okay, next on my list is another why I'm calling I don't see me. So if we have others around us who do not look like us, it hurts our confidence. And that is because there there are actual things being told to us by that fact. Like that is the reality of the world. We end up having to represent our entire group and prove that we are enough to be wherever we are. And because we're representing like uh, and everything about us, you know, so if you don't look like anyone else around you, you'll f- stick out like a sore thumb and you'll feel that pressure. And it actually comes in the form of your own feelings and also the feeling of being other, you know, especially if you are in a marginalized population, that is a tenfold experience of feeling other. So you might feel like you have to represent your entire group on many levels And then you also might get that feeling echoed back to you from the people around you in their, whether they're trying to support you or they're doing the opposite. You'll feel awkward in both circumstances. We are often victims of this if we are um, creative. Just by by nature, if you're a creative person and you do something that is a creative industry, you are judged for the last thing you did that was good constantly so your worth is very tied to like oh but what have you done lately so you might constantly feel like I'm never enough I'm only as good as my last thing I did versus the first example I gave was about feeling other in a group of people that don't look like you 
in a very little literal sense or don't sound like you or don't have the same experience as you. I felt a lot of this just being a drug addict, working around people who are not drug addict. <clears throat> Pardon. All right, which brings me to part three, the how, the tools. So the first tool is called set the goal. I mean, this is a duh, but I, and I say it a lot, but I'm like, I really mean it. The f- education is step one, like seeing what has happened to you, understanding what has happened to you, why it's happened to you, doing a little mental excavation. But step two is thinking about exactly what you want to work toward. Like, how do you want to feel? What feelings do you want to shed? I know that sounds basic, but really making the goal clear and simple is hugely important in this process. Like you just have to have a map. It's just a one point. That's all you have to do. And just drawing one point on a map. I remember when I went into therapy for the very first time, my goal was simple. Stop killing myself slowly with uh, various vices. But like number one was an eating disorder. That was what connected. um, That actually was like kind of the blanket problem that connected to all these other little problems but that was the core core goal I had and it became my map for everything so I want you to do the same thing because you are currently in motion you have to look where you want to go so just have a simple goal in mind I want to feel blank I don't want to have blank whatever it is all right next tool me law versus reality law we change the rules for ourselves like things you believe about others you can't believe about yourself. For example, um, that person deserves success because they went to whatever, this college. Okay, that you're making up a weird rule for that person, but you're not allowing those rules, those weird rules to apply to you. So I just want you to notice, like maybe picture yourself on a vintage cheesy court television show, like you're a a cheesy lawyer character. And this show is called Me Town Law because this lawyer just makes up their own rules in court. However, in reality, those rules are not applicable. So in other words, the voice of law in your head, just hear it as like a cheesy lawyer. And when you notice you're making up a rule for somebody, why they are different than you and deserve something more than you or why you, you should be judged more harshly, just ask yourself, is this my per- personal rule of reality? Or is that like a realistic and objective rule of reality that I set for everyone else as well? Just notice the difference. Like super harsh on me, not as harsh on everybody else. Just just noticing that little uh, mon- monkey mind at work. All right, the next tool is called a feelings hall pass. So shout out to Dean Valerie Ashby of Duke University woman of color, P.S., and Valerie Young, a woman who did a TED Talk um, for this tool. She's also written a bunch of books. Anyway, this is originally Valerie Young's tool, but uh, Dean Valerie Ashby threw it out on her commencements. It was a speech for, I forgot which university. Google it and you'll find it immediately. So I want you to recognize the difference between feelings and fact. It's just a simple divider line. Just you can use it whenever you are suffering any symptom of IP. So if you have a feeling that you are stupid and you don't know what you're doing, that is a feeling you might tend to have all the time. It's it's fine to feel that way, but it can also equally be not true at the same exact time. So you cannot just allow yourself like, oh, it's okay that I have that feeling. I just have to remember that it's not 
true. Separate the fact from the feeling. So the feelings get a hall pass. Like I'm allowed to feel dumb, but I am also not dumb in reality. All right. The next tool is called uh, achievement map and slash mantra. So this is a writing exercise. I want you to do this one on your own with a pen and a paper. When, when we have to hack into our own thinking, the best way to do it is to create our own workaround. Like when we want to think a new pattern of thinking, we have to start with a map to the thought we should be having. So I just want you to you draw a little map to where you are today and see all of the things that led up to this thing. So wherever you are, all of the things you have in your life that are good, I just want you to, to draw a logical map of, and by that I mean a list, of the conscious decisions you made to get yourself to where you are today. And by that I mean like you can, you know, right, I chose this, then I did this, then I had to do this, then I had to do this, then I had to do this, then I did this. And you can include things like the connections that helped out. You can include like the happy coincidences that happened. You can do all of that stuff. However, what I really want you to see is all of this, all of the things you have right now today are not possible if you do not participate. If you had, if you were to not do anything at all, you would not have what you have today. So people who have achieved in their life assume it's because of luck or because of a person that helped them. All of that might be true, but you can't hold on to those opportunities and you can't do, you can't make something out of just luck. You have to be active as well. It's about taking, um, using the opportunities you've been given and that's almost more important than luck. So just think about this in relationship to the people who get get great opportunities and they do nothing with them because there are lots of those people out there. You could not stumble into the place you are without participating in that process. So I just want you to be able to tell yourself like when you have a self-doubting thought and when you have a thought about like, I don't deserve to be here or you want to take something away from yourself, just remember all of kind of the factors like and if it helps highlight these bullets of like the kind of the arc of your story on that list. And what happens is when you, the next time you have a negative self-defeating thought or or like a a thought that like reduces who you are, you can kind of go through like those three main bullets in your head. Like, well, but I did this and I did this and I did this. And if it helps, like you can even hold on to this person believed in me, then this person believed in me, and then this person believed in me. Like it doesn't have to be just you know, I went to a school or something like that, or I won an award. It's like, there are things along your path that will show you and you know you best, you know the things that you need to hear to believe it. But like, it's almost like having like a shorthand to talk yourself through every time one of these thoughts comes up. Like, oh yeah, but no, I did this and then I did this and I, okay, yeah, I I do deserve to be here. It's like a little hack to the proper way of thinking. Okay, I digress. The next tool is called all the gifts in the world. This is kind of the same idea, but if you if you had all the gifts in the world, it would not equal success. You have to be able to take advantage of those things and you have to be able to actually act on them. You you prove to yourself that you are worthy just by taking actions, by going through the motions. It doesn't keep you successful to have been lucky in the past. 
So just remember that, like no one can hand you all that you had, that you have now. You had to actually be active. All right. Next tool is called the balance board. I don't know if you've ever tried one of those things. I've um, fallen off many in my life. I used to work at a surf shop. We had them in the back room. It was really fun. So I want you to find the middle in, in this. This is the goal here in like this process. Um, when we feel like we have to prove ourselves, it very much ruins our enjoyment of a process like work. So the goal is not to throw away all of the things that you do that are working for you. It's just to get to that place of balance that allows you to be the most productive, try hard still, but also enjoy your life and enjoy being yourself and, and feel like you're, you're bringing joy to what you do, you know? It's not at the cost of you, it's for you. So if you just can keep that in your mind's eye of like, I want to be happy while I do this. I want to feel good about myself while I do this. It's, it's about knowing that you have to try very hard and you have to be very productive, but not taking you out of it. So it's like, it is very much a reframing of your energy and a balancing act of like pulling back a little bit when you're like, wait, I'm grinding myself into the, you know, I'm destroying my um, ability to sleep at night. Like pull it back a little bit, just pull it back a little bit here. How can I bring more balance to myself and to my life and to my, my perspective? It's kind of like a daily kind of conditioning process. Just that's why I think it's really important to remind yourself of what you're aiming for, just because then you can really um, take stock at the end of day and see it. Am I doing that? Did I allow myself to have fun or was I really in only in a zone of stress? All right. The next tool is called seatbelt. So check your self-doubt seatbelt. Uh, this is just a visualization because self-doubt, there is a healthy amount of self-doubt that we have all the time. And that is just something to keep us safe. Like, well, but do I know what I'm doing? Do I need to prepare even more? Like that's healthy just to like be questioning, like, what do I need to do to be, to attack the day the best, but it's really easy to let it get out of hand. And in that case, it will hold you back too much. It'll suffocate you. So just it's a little visualization. Like if you feel self-doubt, that's fine. But just ask yourself, is this objective, helpful self-doubt? Or is this making me unable to be a higher higher achiever in, in just being able to trust myself and know myself? All right, next tool, quality, not quantity. Uh, I mean, I already touched on this, but like basically you can be great at some things, or so-so at everything. So if you want to be great at things in your life, don't be perfect at everything. And when you try and be perfect in everything, your overall value goes down. And that's just because we're lying to ourselves at that point. And we're not accepting our flaws. We're not accepting, we're not knowing ourselves deep down. So as a, as a starting point for this tool, embrace that you will make mistakes and just push yourself to accept that you are not great at everything and that that is a good thing. Like just in allowing yourself to be flawed and to take in feedback from the world and take in feedback from failure and not have that mean like I'm a worthless human being, that will make you so much stronger in all areas of your life. So I hope those are helpful. Um, 
And, you know, if you if you feel like I didn't address something, please shoot me an email because I would love to uh, love to hear some feedback on this one. So with that, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Micah, a lovely donation from you. Thank you so much. And Lindsay, wonderful donation from you. Thank you so much. If anyone out there has the means, donations really help me out for the show. And if not, I totally get it. A review on iTunes is hugely appreciated or a heart on SoundCloud or just share it with someone that you think could use it. So in closing, negative thoughts about performance uh, may mean that you actually have imposter phenomenon. And these thought patterns are really similar to symptoms of depression. So if you are suffering from thoughts that surround thinking you are a fraud or that people are going to find out you're not good or smart or talented, let me give you this gift of insight and curiosity because maybe that's not true. Maybe those thoughts are actually the result of you being too fearful to hold on to your success. And we have a f- often have a greater fear of success than we do of failure. So if that if you if you have weird issues around being complimented or having status, just this is a, a great invitation for you to investigate further. You owe it to yourself to work on it and see it see it for what it is. Because as I mentioned, it actually holds you back in life and it keeps you from striving at the truest level of your ability. It keeps you dreaming small, all the while believing you can barely hold on to what you have. And if you're suffering from IP, you are missing opportunities for leadership roles, you're less productive, and you also have less fulfillment. So I really, I really encourage you to look into it. Because just like anything else, your value is also dictated by you and by the energy you bring and the presence you bring just to walking your walk, you know? So that's a huge part of who you are and it's a huge part of how talented you are, just the access you have to yourself. So if you can do what you do and be confident and relaxed as you do it, you will be even better at it. So for that reason... I hope this helps you and I hope you get on that path to self-love and thriving at being you. So I send you my love. Smile.